number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a campus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I mean, I'm going to put a plug in because I think we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telford, I'm the baddest man on the planet. One. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you're here. Happy Wednesday evening, getting to you here one night before the NCAA Wrestling Championships. Got a couple of interviews that I wanted to get to you guys here before the big dance started Thursday morning. Going to have a few more probably show up on Thursday um, before the action starts first thing in the morning. I'm kind of tucked away down here underneath the BOK Center in Tulsa. Made it here safe and sound. Got here last night. Wanted to get a show out to you guys last night, but just um, a lot going on and a lot is crammed into um, this week. So just, can you know, podcast kind of fell on the back burner. I'm sure you guys kind of understand that um, not exactly top priority when there's a million other things going on on a week like this. But wanted to get a couple of these interviews out to you guys today. Talked with Tom Brands and Spencer Lee from the Iowa Wrestling Program earlier this week. And uh, just wanted to, you know, before we get to that, just kind of one final quick rundown of, you know, what the Hawkeyes have coming this week. One of four teams to bring all ten qualifiers. Um so that's exciting. I think the team score projections I have um, had them projected to take second, um, you know, but it's going to be a little bit of a dogfight for second. Got teams like Cornell and Nebraska, um, NC State's in that mix, Missouri's up there, Virginia Tech's a team to watch. A lot of teams here that could do a lot of damage. Um, Iowa, of the 10 qualifiers that they brought, two number one seeds, right? Spencer Lee at 25, Real Woods at 41, and then three others projected to finish on the podium. Cassiope at 285, um, Patrick Kennedy at 165, and then Max Murin snagged the eighth seed at 149 pounds. So um, pretty high expectations. Um, I think a, a, a fun line that folks have kind of set this week is five and a half All-Americans. Um, I tend to be a little bit optimistic the closer we get to tournaments like this and um, I don't know, maybe I'm naive and, and maybe you guys don't want to believe me, but I, th- I think I've talked myself into thinking that Iowa might hit that over on the 5-5 line. So um, I got a feeling that, you know, and we'll run through the brackets here real quick. That there's a couple of guys who I think could make a run and, you know, at least put themselves in position potentially to finish on the podium, um, you know, earn spots on the podium on Friday, which means they would finish on the podium on Saturday. So um, yeah, quick run through, through the weights. Um, obviously 25 starting off Spencer Lee. Um, he's the favorite, right? Um, one of two guys going after history this week. Um, him and Yanni Diakmahalas from Cornell also chasing a fourth national title. There's been four guys who have won four individual division one national titles. Pat Smith from Oklahoma state, Kale Sanderson from Iowa state, Kyle Dake from Cornell and Logan Steber from Ohio state. Um, Never have we seen uh, multiple guys do it in the same year. So a little bit of rare history here that these two guys are chasing. Um, rare enough that they are in position even to win a fourth national title. And then, you know, kind of extremely rare that they could potentially do it here this weekend. Um, same week, right? Um, so that's pretty cool. But Spencer, 125, obviously he's the guy to beat. Um, heavy favorite. I'm still kind of really intrigued by his potential path here, right? So he'll get the pigtail winner, whether it's Tucker Owens from Air Force or Tanner Jordan from South Dakota State. Then if the seeds hold, here's who he would see the rest of the way. Jack Medley from Michigan is the 16 seed. Could see him Thursday night. Medley is one of the few guys who has found ways to slow down Spencer. I think they've met three times. Spencer's obviously won all three times. 
Um, but Medley has found a way to just kind of slow him down. Hasn't been able to beat him. Hasn't really found a lot of success trying to score on him. But he has found ways to slow him down the couple, a couple of the three times um, that they've wrestled. So um, intrigued to kind of see what goes down in that match. Quarterfinals, again, if the seeds hold, could be Anthony Noto from Lockhaven. But Eric Barnett, the nine seed from Wisconsin, multiple-time All-American, he could perhaps sneak through into the quarters and wrestle Spencer there. Semis, seeds hold, Matt Ramos from Purdue. Um, you guys will remember Matt Ramos took Spencer, um, took him down twice, and second time took him feet to back in their dual meet earlier this year. Spencer obviously roared back and scored the pin himself. But other guys in that quad specifically, Caleb Smith from Appalachian State, Jory Volk from Wyoming, Michael Diagostino, All-American from Northwestern, Dean Peterson from Rutgers, a guy that's been wrestling pretty well. Um, so if the seeds hold, Spencer sees Matt Ramos in the semis. If they don't, um, a lot of capable guys there who I think could make a run. Um, in the finals, should he get there, right? Uh, Pat Glory from Princeton is the two seed. I'm really intrigued by this, um, you know, because there's some other really capable guys on that side of the bracket. Nebraska's Liam Cronin is the three. Um, got Noah Certain from Mizzou at the 14. Uh, Pat McKee from Minnesota, two-time All-American. He's the 11 seed. Steve O'Polin from uh, Northern Colorado. He's capable. Um, you know, glory in the quarterfinals could see Brandon Courtney from Arizona state or Brandon Kaler from Oregon state. So, um, you know, that could be a very interesting matchup on Friday morning. I think depending on what one of those guys, you know, Glory's going to be just a couple hours off the scale and you know, what's he going to look like? What's he going to feel like? I know that he's, he's cutting quite a bit of weight to hold 25 this year. So that could be an interesting matchup and, um, you know, we'll see a lot of intriguing prospects on who, who Spencer could potentially meet in the finals. Um, assuming that he gets there. So that's 25-33, Brody Teske. We had an update to this bracket. Um, forgot who initially pulled out. believe it was Lehigh's uh, McGonagall, which brought Ethan Oakley from Appalachian State into the pigtail. So he's got McGuire Midkiff. Shout-out Council Bluffs Thomas Jefferson. Um, Brody Teske, though, 23 seed. And because of the restructuring, he's now wrestling Lucas Bird from Illinois, All-American, in the first round. So if he's able to sneak past Bird, uh, likely Michael Kolioko in the second round. If not, um, probably Connor Brown from Mizzou on the backside. And that means on the cross, could potentially see any combination of Mickey Phillippe, Wyatt Henson, Aaron Nagao from Minnesota. So going to be a tough road for Brody Teske no matter what, pretty much. Um, if he's able to sneak past Bird in the second round, he might ease his path a little bit. Um, also might cause us to adjust expectations. But, um, you know, we'll see which version of Brody Teske shows up. Um, so it's going to be a tough road either way. And, um, you know, he's got the gas tank that I think will keep him in some of these matches. Just from there is does he have the offensive execution to steal some of these matches? That's 33, 41, Real Woods, number one seed here. Um, pretty tough path, or at least a path littered with landmines, I think is is one way that you can phrase um, Real Woods' side of the bracket, right? So he'll get the pigtail winner, either Cal Miller from Maryland or uh, Josh Mason from Bloomsburg. Um, second round match could be Josh Codenhant from Navy or Dylan D'Amelio from Ohio State, who I thought wrestled really well at the Big Ten tournament. Quarterfinal round, any combination of Allen Hart from Mizzou, Moshe Schwartz from Oklahoma, or... Casey Swiderski from Iowa State, 24 seed. I like his spot there. And if he brings his best stuff, um, I personally wouldn't be surprised to maybe see him sneak into the quarterfinals. Um, and we saw how close that first match was when Rio wrestled Casey back in, I believe that was early December in the Cyhawk duel. So could be interesting. Semifinals, um, Real Woods could potentially see Ryan Jack from NC State, Brock Hardy from Nebraska is the four seed. Um, you know, I know Carter Young sitting there is an intriguing 13 seed, but doesn't sound like he's fully healthy. Um, and then Jacob Berglund from Minnesota. Minnesota returning All-American, so 
think he'll probably see either Jack or Hardy, but a couple of interesting characters who could make that part of the bracket interesting. Um, you know, obviously Real Woods and Brock Hardy wrestled twice this year. Um, Real won both of those, six to four and then two to one. I have no reason to doubt him in close matches, but obviously that'll, that'll probably put Iowa fans on pins and needles if that's the semifinal match. So in the finals, who could he see if he gets there? Um, Cole Matthews from Pittsburgh is the three seed. Andrew Aliris from Northern Colorado is the two seed. Um, you know, Vince Cornella from Cornell is the seven seed. I think he can make a run. Bo Bartlett from Penn State is the six seed. Kale Happel from Northern Iowa is sitting there at the 14. Clay Carlson, um, South Dakota State All-American is the 11 seed. A lot of good dudes at this weight on the other side of the bracket. So I, I tend to think it'll probably be Andrew Alirez, um, or at least I think he's the favorite to come out of that side of the bracket. But we'll see what happens. Cole Matthews, um, another guy that wrestles a lot of close matches, but another guy that wins a lot of close matches. So, um, you know, we'll see ultimately how that bracket unfolds. 149, um, this is a big one, man. Max Murin. Um, you know, and also another weight that got redrawn. So let's kind of dive into this a little bit. Um, there's a lot of us who are kind of hoping that Max Mirren, you know, gets the job done this week, right? He's, he's been to three NCAA tournaments. He's gotten to the blood round three times. Um, history is on his side a little bit, um, in the fact that, you know, no wrestler, um, since I believe 1979, when round of 12 and blood round kind of came into play from a 32 man bracket, um, no wrestler has gotten to the blood round four times and not been an all American. So Muren's been there three times, has yet to break through. Um, could this be the year? Um, everything suggests that yes, um, this is as good as Max Muren has looked, right? He's 21 and four, um, has generally wrestled very, very well this season, um, a lot of bonus points. He just looks fresh. He looks very active, but there's not going to be an easy path. Um, you know, so first round, um, SIUE's Caleb Tyus, like Max, probably in that matchup. Win that one, you go to round two against Stanford's Jaden Abbas, who is now the nine seed. Um, Abbas beat Murin in the blood round a couple years ago. Um, so that might be one that Max wants to get off his chest. If he's able to get through there, uh, Max is the eight seed. So that means in the quarterfinals, probably looking at a matchup with Yanni Diakamahalis three-time NCAA champ, that's going to be a tough assignment. Um, so presuming that Max takes care of business on Thursday, you get Yanni first thing Friday morning, but then that drops you to the blood round on Friday night. Um, you know, who could you see? Probably some combination of Penn's Doug Zapf, who he's beaten, Missouri's Brock Mahler, who I don't believe he's wrestled, and then Wisconsin's Austin Gomez, who he lost to earlier this year, but Gomez has been dealing with some injuries since midseason, so um, not going to be easy. But, okay, let's play devil's advocate here. If Abbas is able to beat Murin Thursday night, should they meet, what does Murin's path look like? Okay, possibly Central Michigan's Nate Higley or Oklahoma State's Victor Voinovich or potentially even Minnesota's Michael Blockus. Um, if you win there, probably looking at a matchup against either Quinn Kinner from Ryder, NC State's Jackson Harris, Arrington, excuse me, um, maybe Oklahoma's Mitch Moore or perhaps Northern Iowa's Colin Real Buto. Um, win there, that puts you back in the blood round against potentially Zapp, Mahler, Gomez, or even Arizona State's Kyle Parko. So um, long story short here, no easy path. Um, I think a lot of us are hoping that Max finally breaks through and becomes that All-American, um, but it ain't going to be easy. He's going to have to earn it, um, and we'll see what happens. He can obviously make his path a little more favorable if he's able to win twice on Thursday and get into the quarters. Um, I know that's weird because in the quarters, presumably he'll wrestle Yanni, but um, just kind of a thought that's in my head. 157, Kobe Siebrecht uh, at the 14 spot. So he's got Garrett Modell from Wisconsin in the first round. Uh, Kobe beat Garrett Modell in the regular season. 
Um, we'll see. I know he was wearing a shoulder brace at the Big Ten Championship, so we'll see which version of Kobe that we, um, you know, which, which version of Kobe do we see? I don't know. We'll so we'll find out Thursday morning. Win that one, you're probably getting Peyton Rob from Nebraska in the second round. That's going to be a tough assignment, so that likely drops Kobe to the Russellbacks, where you know could see. Daniel Cardenas, Chase Saldate, um, you know, if you want to keep advancing through the Russell backs. Um, so it's just going to be a tough road for Kobe Seabrecht. I know he's a guy that when fully healthy, um, absolutely dangerous. Um, he's a guy that can probably funk his way to some wins. Um, it's it's just it's going to be hard, and he's going to have to find a way to win some of these tough matches if he wants to finish on the podium or or you know just even score points at that point. So um, in Iowa, if they're going to want to go where they want to go this week, going to have to get points from all ten starters. Um, One sixty five. Speaking of really tough roads, not sure that there's a tougher potential road for any Hawkeye wrestler than there is for Patrick Kennedy. He's the sixth seed, and here's what it kind of looks like to me: um, first round matchup against. Will Formato from App State um, as the 27 seed. You're probably thinking, yeah, Kennedy's got this under wraps. Well, those who really follow Iowa wrestling know that Formato beat Patrick Kennedy back at the Southern Scuffle last season. So going to be kind of an interesting first-round matchup there. I like Kennedy there. I'm not sure Formato has an answer for this version of Patrick Kennedy, but obviously we'll see. You win that one, second round. Seeds say that you'll wrestle Cam Amin from Michigan. We watched that one in the Big, 12, Big Ten semifinals, excuse me. Uh, Kennedy had to score late to win that one three to two. You know it's not going to be an easy match. Um, if Kennedy's able to do it again, that puts him in the quarterfinals against presumably Dean Hamity from Wisconsin. He's been a tough puzzle for Kennedy to solve. Um, so if he solves him again, congrats, you're in the semifinals against likely Keegan O'Toole. If Hamity is able to win one more time, that drops Kennedy to the blood round where he could wrestle, get ready for this, Shane Griffith potentially from Stanford, who two-time NCAA finalist, uh, 2021 NCAA champ, largely credited with saving Stanford wrestling because of that national title. Shane Griffith is the nine seed. And so if the seeds hold, that's who Kennedy's going to have to beat if he wants to be an All-American. So going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, If Kennedy does not beat Amin in the second round, um, you know, I think if the bracket plays out that way, he's probably going to have to beat uh, Peyton Hall from West Virginia, who All-American is a guy that Kennedy beat twice at the U23 National Championships over the summer, but not going to be an easy task. Um, could potentially see as well Matthew Olgeen from Oregon State, maybe even Shane Griffith from Stanford. It's just it, this is going to be a tough bracket. It's probably the deepest weight in the tournament. Um and it's not going to be easy if Kennedy wants to be an All-American. So he's going to have to earn his stuff. I know he's very excited for the challenge. Um, and we'll see what happens. This is a weight that I know everybody around the country is going to be watching this week. Um, so it's going to be fun. But Kennedy obviously going to have to earn his stripes this weekend. So we'll see what happens. 174, Nelson Brands. This is one of those where when people are saying, um, you know, let's set the line at five and a half All-Americans for Iowa. Do you take the over or the under? Nelson Brains is a guy who I think can put himself in a position to maybe sneak on the podium. Hear me out. He's the 11 seed. So he's got Alex Faison from NC State first round. That's a pretty big matchup when it comes for, to the team race stuff because NC State, I think, is going to be in that mix for a team trophy this weekend. Um, so Nelson, he's able to take care of business there. Probably going to see Ohio State's Ethan Smith in the second round. If you can find a way to sneak through that one that puts you in the quarterfinals against probably Makai Lewis from Virginia Tech, that's going to be a tough assignment, but we'll see what happens. Um, if the seeds hold, Nelson Brands is looking at wrestling back against probably Benjamin 
Pesuas from Army um, might have to wrestle some combination of Luca Augustine from Pittsburgh and Lennox Wolak from Columbia. Um, you know, and then that puts Nelson into the blood round, which the way that the bracket is going to cross here, I'm looking at it right now as I'm recording, may have to wrestle Bailey O'Reilly or Edmund Ruth. Now, he split with Edmund Ruth in the uh, during the regular season, I guess. He lost to him in the regular season, duel, beat him at the Big Ten Championships, and then Bailey O'Reilly from Minnesota, I know they went to OT. So you guys kind of see where, you know, if Nelson can get to the round of 12, he's going to have a match that I think is winnable. And from there, it's kind of up to him. So he's got to get there first, obviously. And he wrestles a lot of close matches, which is less than ideal. But he's also a guy that can he can catch fire in a tournament setting. And that may help him ultimately get up and over the hump, right? So this is where the optimism comes in. Obviously, Nelson has to go out and do it. I've kind of set forth the path there that puts him on the doorstep of being an All-American. We'll see if he actually does it and if he does what he does with that opportunity, if that makes sense. 184, um, same idea, kind of. Avisad's the 12 seed. I'm going to open with Jehesi Hoos, uh, Giuseppe Hoos, excuse me, from Buffalo, who Abe beat earlier this year, hung 22 points on him in a duel way earlier in the season. Abe, of course, has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, so we'll see which version of Avisad shows up first thing Thursday morning. If he's able to win that match, second round is likely Marcus Coleman from Iowa State. Now, again, when they wrestled in the dual meet, Abe was in on a lot of shots, um, wasn't able to finish those shots, and Coleman turned the last shot attempt into a takedown, ended up winning the match 3-2. to two. So we know that Abe, when fully healthy, right there with a guy like Marcus Coleman, who's absolutely All-American caliber, um, which version of Abe do we see? Um, that, I think, goes a long ways in how, you know, the lens through which we view um, that potential second-round match against Marcus Coleman. If you win that, then you've got potentially Trey Munoz or Lenny Pinto in the quarterfinals, and if you're able to sneak through there, looking at probably Parker Kekeyes in the number one overall seed at 184 in the semifinals. Um, if Abe loses to Marcus, um, drops him, obviously, to the Russellbacks. So, looking here, he's probably going to have to beat some combination of... Uh, Colton Hawks from Mizzou, Caleb Hopkins from Campbell. Um, then that puts you into the next round against potentially Lenny Pinto or Trey Munoz from Oregon State. Whoever wins or whoever loses that second round match is probably the guy Abel have to beat in order to get to the blood round. And then from that position, probably looking at Hunter Bolin or Travis Whitlake in the blood round. And you win that match, you're an All-American. So again, maybe a little optimistic, but that that's kind of the path for Abe. Um, you know, we'll see which version of Abasad shows up Thursday morning and that might adjust how we kind of view the rest of the tournament for him. But, um, you know, you can kind of see the path there where he can, you know, not just automatically be an all American, but you can kind of see the path there where he gives himself an opportunity. So, um, we'll find out Thursday morning, which version of Abe we're seeing 197. This thing is bonkers. Um, by thing, I mean, wait, um, the two returning NCAA champs are seated ninth and 14th, obviously talking, I was Jacob Warner there at the 14 spot. Um, you've got two U 23 men's freestyle world finalists who could hit in the second round. Um, you've got a past NCAA finalist who was not an all American last year. Who's the one seed in Nino Bonacorsi, younger Bastidas, a returning all American. He's the 13 seed, uh, Rocky Elam's the junior world champ. He's the three seed, um, you could run this bracket probably a hundred times and you'd probably get 100 absolutely different sets of top eight guys, or at least 100 different orders of top eight finishers. Um, so what does that mean for Jacob Warner? It means there's an opportunity here. 
And here's what I'm thinking. So he's got Cam Caffey from Michigan State first round. That's a guy he has shown time and again that he can beat. Um, you know, I know Cam Caffey's very dangerous, but Warner tends to always be very, very fundamental in matches against him and, and does the job enough to win the match. So you win, you're into the second round, potentially looking at a ra- second round matchup with Rocky Elam from Missouri. That's a big one if it happens for, for Jacob Warner. And here's why. If he wins, if Jacob Warner is able to win that match, I see no reason why he can't get back to the finals. Because if the seeds hold, but Warner's able to knock off Elam, he's looking at Isaac Trumbull from NC State and then Bernie Truax from Cal Poly in the quarters and semis, respectively. So other guys he could potentially face, we'll see. But if those are the toughest tests seed-wise, um, you know, there's I, none, neither of those guys I think should scare Jacob Warner. I don't think anybody in this bracket should because it's one of those brackets where anything weird can happen. But, um, you know, you can see the path if Warner's able to get through Rocky Elam. Now, if he doesn't, um, because we need to prepare ourselves for that possibility, right? Drops him to the wrestlebacks, probably looking at a matchup with Evan Bachman or Trey Rogers, Bachman from Utah Valley, Rogers from Hofstra. Um, and then that would, um, Looking at this here. No, excuse me. That would actually drop him. No, yeah, that was right. And then he could potentially see, you know, Jackson Smith, maybe Michael Foy, maybe Isaac Trumbull there in the round of 16. That puts him into the blood round where he's probably looking at some combination of Nino Bonacorsi, Max Dean, Silas Allred. So you see how important now that second round match against Rocky Elam is because that... That blood round match is so much more difficult if you have to come through the backside if you're Jacob Warner. Um, He's given us no reason to think that he can't do it. I know he's been dealing with some injuries, um, but March March has more often than not been his month. And he's a guy that in a tournament setting can absolutely catch fire. Um, He has shown it time and again, especially at the NCAA championships. So... Um, but yeah, that sir, that second round matchup against Rocky Elam, assuming that they both take care of business in the first round, absolutely pivotal in terms of what Jacob Warner's final NCAA tournament looks like. So a little bit of optimism, but also a little bit of a wet blanket. So we'll kind of see what happens. 285 finally wrapping up with Tony Cassiope, the four seed, um, as steady and as consistent as he's been. I see no reason to think that he shouldn't get to the quarterfinals. And that's where things get interesting um, because he could potentially be looking at a matchup with Colton Schultz from Arizona State, who maybe hasn't looked the same as he did a year ago when he got to the NCAA finals, um, but still absolutely a formidable competitor. I know Cassiope has beaten him twice. They were both very highly contested matches. These are two world-class heavyweights, right? Colton Schultz has been um, very successful age-level Greco-Roman international wrestler. Tony Cassiope, obviously a two-time U23 men's freestyle world medalist. We'll see what happens. That's obviously going to be a big one when it comes to the team race stuff. Arizona State um, needs to kind of bat a thousand, so to speak, if they want to win another team trophy this weekend. So that matchup, obviously, pretty big for them. Iowa obviously can take literally as much as they can get from Cassiope this week at 285. Um, you know, and obviously, as the four seed, he's a guy that's going to be favored to you know secure a top four finish, and that means on paper getting to the semifinals, right? So if he can beat Schultz. Probably pits him up against Mason Paris from Michigan, who he showed in the dual meet that he can compete with. It was nine to seven. Um, you know, he had an opportunity there, I think, to take that match. We'll see which version of Cass and Paris show up in the semifinals should they get there. Um, you know, that's kind of his path. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I have no reason to believe that Cassiope can't just not breeze, but win pretty handily in his first two matches. Um, Iowa would obviously like bonus points out of him. He's got Jaron Smith for Maryland first. And then if the seeds hold, 
Tyrell Gordon from Northern Iowa in the second round, which I think could be kind of interesting for a number of different reasons. But um, like Cass in both those matches, we'll see uh, kind of what happens Friday morning. Um, you know, should he wrestle Colton Schultz that round? So, um, yeah, that's kind of quick thoughts off the top of the dome of Iowa's final bracket placements before we begin the big dance Wednesday morning. Um, excuse me, Thursday morning. It's currently Wednesday night. You guys can tell how tired I am and how busy this week has been for me. Um, so with that said, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to now take you guys to a couple of interviews that we had earlier this week, first with Tom Brands, then with Spencer Lee, um, and then I'll catch you guys on the other side, and we'll wrap up uh, tonight's show. So uh, appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you listening to me babble for almost 25 minutes there, and uh, hope you enjoy the interviews, and I'll catch you guys on the other side. Opening statement. It's exciting. Go out there and have fun. Be at your best. Stay in your best positions. You've got to go win a lot of tough matches. Spencer's now at that step where he has a chance to make that final run for a fourth title. How have you seen his approach here since the Big Ten? Uh, same. I mean, very steady. Um, probably a good characteristic to have. Steady and consistent. He's one of two guys that will be wrestling for a fourth title this week. Um, D1 Wrestling has never seen two guys win four um, in the same year like this. Um, what's it been like to kind of have a front row seat to you know one of their pursuits, but then to see you know two guys potentially go out and make history? Yeah, I think they are pretty decent acquaintances too. I mean. Um, for a long time. So, good. I mean, it's, it's great, and really we're concerned with our guy, but the biggest thing is is that the opportunity's there because um, what they've been able to do, I mean, for themselves and overcoming, and that's how you make opportunities for yourself. you got to overcome a lot. Um, any path to greatness is, you know, sometimes bumpy places in places and you just you go on you, you get you get a lump on your head and you move on and Spencer Lee's been able to do that with the best of them Spencer's always seemed pretty much in control comfort being at center stage is that something you've worked with him on over the years at all or? I, I think that Spencer is a cool cucumber I think he's cold, cool under fire I think he's uh, naturally has a knack um, for moving on to the next thing the right way. Um, you know, that's not to say that there isn't frustration, um, but he handles it well, and he can move on quick. Um, and that's a pretty good ingredient for great athletes, I think. Probably one of the better characteristics that you should have in your character is is – that characteristic, being able to move forward after a negative result or if there's frustration there and you maybe go off the rails a little bit, you can bring it back in quick and get back down the right direction. And he has that characteristic. You know, from the day that he committed, I think he was pretty much thrust into the, as a face of the program even before he stepped on campus, and he's handled it with 
you know, Grace and, you know, had the results to follow that up. What's that say about his medal to not even live up to the expectations but surpass that? Uh, I think that, I mean, when, when, when fans are unfiltered and they come up to you and you haven't even wrestled a college match and they're, they're talking about how great it is to have you here and we know you're going you're gonna to turn it around and then you just you roll with that and it's not like you know, you're putting that spotlight and there's that um, maybe stress that goes with that expectation, but you just roll with it. Um, he told a story the other day where, or maybe I heard a story about him the other day where, um, you know, everybody's clamoring to get his autograph. And, um, the fellow that witnessed this said, Hey, did you do that when you were a little kid? And he said, heck no, I knew I was going to retire those guys, or I knew I was going to be better than those guys, or, I knew that I was going to redefine the entire sport of wrestling. Um, and it's a good, that's a, I'll tell you what, that's a good way to march. Did he accompany the team last year to the championships? Uh, he did not. He did not. So he wasn't there? At the national championships, he did not accompany the team. How does his persona rub off on other guys in your room? Um, I think when you have that kind of competitive ability, whether it's the mindset, which he has, whether it's the physical tools and you see him on display, which he has, and how we can regurgitate the history of, of wrestling and past results and his favorite matches, I think people tune in and listen and they pay attention. Um, I, th I think it's a natural when the results are there and the mouth starts working that people are interested. And that means colleagues and teammates are interested in hearing what he has to say. The biggest mistake would be um, to ignore something like that as a youngster or a, um, someone that is looking to aspire and is maybe new around Spencer. Spencer's been here six years now. And I think it would be a mistake to ignore, you know, what he has to say. Some of the guys that maybe didn't finish where they wanted it, Big Tens, guys like Kobe, Teske, Assad, how have you seen them over the last week prepare for I think it's consistent. It's it's. I mean, there's things you work on. You work on things every week after performance. You have an evaluation period, and then you you go to work. Uh, but it's been consistent, and it's not a right hand turn out of nowhere or a 180. You know, about face. It's we know what we got to do. We know that we're going to have to win a lot of tough matches, and that's regardless if you're the number one seed or the 23 seed or whatever you are. We know that we're going to have to win a lot of tough matches. Where has Real kind of grown over the course of the season and put him in position for? Uh, I, I, I don't know if he's – I mean, of course he's grown. He's gotten better. But the biggest thing with me is that he's comfortable with who he is. And he was that way when he first came in here. And it wasn't 
like fake. It was real. And he's still very comfortable with who he is and where he's going. Um, very, very comfortable in where he's going and the path that he's taken to get there. Um, and that maybe was a little surprising at the beginning um, just because, you know, this guy believes in himself. That's, that's a good, that's good. And it's, it's lasted. He's real. He's, a, he's, he's the real deal. Well, I kind of answered that um, like as a blanket answer. You don't just knee jerk and oh, and then oh, you know. It's more like we know you're capable. You're the eight or nine seed. You're going to have to be ready to go at eleven o'clock round uh, Thursday, and one match at a time. Um, and this is where we're going to spend some time, you know, sharpening up. But the biggest thing is, is that you are ready to go when you step on the mat at your time. All right, going to questions for Spencer. You spent your entire career focused on the next thing. Um, the next thing is obviously the NCAA championships this week, um, and you can do something pretty special. Uh, have you thought about what it might mean to accomplish what you want this week? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, of course. I mean, I've definitely thought about it. I mean, it just like I've said before in the past, it'd be the first goal I've ever accomplished in my life. So it'd be it'd, it'd mean a lot to me. But thing is, is I haven't done it yet. So one match at a time, and you know how it is. Tough tournament. Got to be ready to go. How do you feel, just like physically, coming into this tournament, maybe compared to you know previous tournaments where? It's <laughs> Well, I know I feel better this tournament than I did my previous NCAA tournament. <laughs> what was it like watching from the sidelines last year for you? It was tough. I was a, I was not a fan of that. Um, I don't think I'll be a fan of that ever, to be completely honest. Uh, it was just weird cheering on the teammates and, like, you know, going down there, like talking to them while they're all, you know, competing, and I'm just a fan. You know, I wasn't really a big fan of that. You know, from the time that you committed, you were thrust right into the role of being a face for this program. Um, and it's something you seem to embrace and probably, you know, follow through better than anybody ever has. What, what's been kind of the key component to handling all that and being able to serve in that role uh, the way you have? Well, honestly, the key component to that is just focusing on yourself. I mean, I, th I think... Uh, us 25-pounders for Iowa have always had that kind of, you know, edge to us that we're the guy that we started off. You know, we don't we don't draw. We always want to be first just because that's our job, you know. And uh, I think uh, if, you know, hopefully the future 25-pounders for Iowa are the same way and they, they know it's their job to get the, get it started for everyone and to, to be that, you know, the ignition for the, for the guys. And I think that helped me a lot, you know. Um, I'm not sure if I'd have been a different weight class, if it would have been the same. I don't know. I just know that being first made me uh, prideful, and uh, the coaches as well helped me in that role as well, knowing that I got to be ready to go and you know, start them off strong. You know, you could be last on Saturday. You know what? I could be, but uh, um, gotta get there first, and you know, hopefully, uh, you know, that's 
that's that'd be a good, that'd, that'd be a good problem to have. Um, student of the sport, obviously. Um, you and Yanni both had a shot at doing something pretty special this week. Mm -hmm. It'd be the first time I got, I think, in the same year that two guys would win four. You both accomplished it. Um, have you thought about that aspect of it that, that can make this week even better? <laughs> it's just funny. I remember winning nationals, God, a long time ago. It feels like now in 2018 uh, with him. And us kind of hugging each other, being like, "Hey, let's get let's get you know four together, kind of thing." You know, obviously, I'm always going to cheer for my teammate in his weight class, and same with him. I mean, Vito was my weight class for two years. Obviously, he was going to cheer for him over me, right? So we're in the same boat when it comes to that. But you know, seeing us both win together and us competing against each other, even when we were like eight, nine years old, it was kind of cool. Seeing us both be successful, and we kind of joked about that. And and then the, with the whole COVID thing, it wasn't going to work out with us in the same year. And then obviously, I got hurt, so it's kind of funny now that we're same class again. So it is it is interesting, but we both gotta do our jobs and you know, Max gotta do his job too. So I mean we're it's so funny. We're we're not guys who text each other, we never message each other, but if we were in the same vicinity, I mean we're gonna go up to each other, we're gonna talk, we're gonna have a conversation like we've been best friends for, for as long I mean, it's just how we are. We're both cordial with each other and uh you know, he's super, super awesome guy. I've never, I don't think I've ever met anyone who didn't like him. He's just, you know, he's very, you know, jovial and he's, you know, he's always smiling, always joking. You know, he's a good dude. I mean, can't hate the kid. It's impossible. Um, and he's, and he's obviously a really good wrestler. So. At least under the idea of like, you know, you two may not be like best friends, best friends, but like you both kind of understand the pursuit that you're on, not just like national titles, but you know. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, gosh, dude, we've, we've been, we've been wrestling the same tournament since we were like nine, you know everywhere i mean i've i've seen him everywhere so it's just it's just been a cool journey having the same guys you know at the highest level even from the lowest level as little kids you know kind of continue having success and and enjoying the process and you know doing what we are passionate and what we love to do so i know it's hard to be reflective when the focus is so forward on the next thing right now but what has the last six years meant to be as part of this program working with the coaches and all the teammates <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know it's been really fun. It went by fast. Uh, it's super. It was super exciting to be a Hawkeye, and I'm I'm thankful for my my uh my years and my time here. And you know I plan on sticking around, so I'm not leaving. So I'll still be a Hawkeye, just in in name and then in, in in past only. Uh, but it'll be fun. You know, going to a different role, a mentorship role, more than a selfish role that I've kind of been in the last five six years. Um. So I'm excited for that, but we gotta get there first. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Can you, can you name the other four four-time champions? Yeah, of course. Pat Smith, Logan Seaver, Kale Sanderson, and then Kyle Dake, of course. So. Come on, man. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, want you to take me back all the way to kind of your recruiting process. I know Terry took the lead on it. Um, what was it about the the relationship that you guys formed and? Kind of how he approached the process that kind of sold you on Iowa. I just loved their passion. I loved um, how like each and every guy in the room they coached, whether it was a starter or not, got like their blood, sweat, and tears no matter what. I mean, I, I just remember being a freshman and when my freshman year team. Not I'm not putting them down or anything, but we were all we weren't really that close. I wasn't like, you know, honestly, I couldn't even name half the guys on my team that year just because like it was, I was so selfish and like no one was like talkative and it wasn't like a when, I remember being on the bench one time in, in a match and there was no one on our bench watching the matches they're all upstairs on tv like just wasn't that atmosphere yet you know and I just remember um it didn't matter like to Tom and Terry they were like every guy 
you know, private lessons in the morning. I mean, there was a, I remember there was a senior my freshman year. Um, we were already we had already wrestled the Big Ten tournament, and this guy was doing a private lesson with Terry. You know, obviously his season's over, his career's over, and he's still learning. Like he he just wanted to, you know, and Terry was doing it anyways. And I just remember going, wow, that's like he's taking time out of his day. You know, he's not that's not a top ten guy. And he's still teaching that guy because that guy asked. Yeah, that's just Tom and Terry. Like they're they're gonna whatever you need, blood, sweat, and tears. They're gonna give you their all to everyone, anyone. I mean, your family and you always will be. And uh, you know, I think that just resonated with me. And I'm like, those these guys are amazing. I mean, you know that that yeah, I could see a coach going, no, I gotta work with the top ten guys. Big Ten's already happening. Your career's over now. He's like, oh, let's, what do you want to work on? You know, just like so, an hour and a half at like seven thirty in the morning. You know, I remember like running on the treadmill, going, oh my gosh, he's awesome. So. One or two more. Uh, you've uh, had a lot of adversity. Obviously, everybody knows about the knees. You had to deal with the disappointment of 2020. Um, can you explain kind of the support network that's kind of helped you maneuver through those, through that adversity and allowed you, you know, help yeah. you get to where you're at right now? I mean, I would say we have the best, like, you know, medical staff I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, Every doctor, I mean, they've, the, the amount of hours they've put in and, and the work, the extra stuff they've had to do. I mean, they're so busy already with everything that they do as, as you know, being high-level doctors. Um, just to put extra time into me, you know. I mean, obviously my trainer, Jesse Donworth, he's probably put the most time into me just because, you know, he's been around me more. He's part of the team. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would always say I couldn't do it without them, you know, Peterson and Westerman and, you know, Keith and Dr. You know, there's Dr. Cruz, and there's so many more that have worked with me. You know, obviously Jesse, and the, the hours they put in, and you know, the amount of you know tests and MRIs and whatever they've done just to keep me on the mat, probably is a little excessive. So, um, I, I definitely wouldn't be able to compete without them, and I don't know if I'd be competing this year without them either. So, I assume your parents are pillars of that support. Oh, absolutely. But like when it comes to like, well, my parents they don't see any of this. They're never. They're not here. They. They might see me once every two, three weeks or once a week at the most, you know. Um, these guys see me every day. Uh, they Jesse sees me every single day, every morning, you know. So, like, they, they know me better than my family even knows me just because that's just how it's been. You know, even my dad will joke, you know. He'll, like, try and talk to Tom and he'll be like, well, you know him better than I do, Tom, you know. Because, I mean, he does. I mean, he sees me every single day. He hears me talk. I mean, we have conversation, you know. So it's just different. You know, they, these are the people that have put me – uh, this, into this situation to be where I'm at today. So. That's all I've got today, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back uh, with another one tomorrow. Going to go, actually go record it here right now so that we can have it live first thing in the morning. Um, but that's, hey, man, welcome. We made it. NCAA championships begin Thursday morning, BOK Center in Tulsa. Be sure to tap into ESPNU or watch ESPN wherever you're at to follow along all the action. And be sure to follow your boy on Twitter. We're going to have live updates on DesMoinesRegister.com. Um, going to obviously write something at the end of every day to kind of sum up what in the world happened. And I can't wait, guys. This is honestly the best day best day, best few days, best week on the college wrestling calendar, on the wrestling calendar period. It's the biggest, baddest tournament in the country, maybe even the world. Um, and I'm really excited to kind of watch it and, and follow along and, you know, just kind of see what happens, right? Like this is, this is what all these guys work for. This is what all these coaches and wrestlers gear toward, um, you know, and it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the best shows in, in athletics, period, not just college athletics, one of the best shows in sports, for my money at least. 
So I um, hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, until then, be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to the Des Moines Register. I don't want you guys to miss a thing at all this week. And you can find links to do just that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon. 